Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers blow a prime opportunity to put a hammerlock on their first round series with the Grizzlies. They lose game two, even though Ja wasn't there. That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And of course, Locked on Lakers on YouTube uh, is where you can go to find a, an audience of more than 15,000 subscribers, Lakers fans, NBA fans, many of whom are really, really angry Thursday uh, following the Lakers 103 to 93 loss in game two. Uh, to Memphis um, Wednesday night. And, you know, this is a game, Andy, that we talked about. No John Morant. Um, it was a prime opportunity for the Lakers to take a, a, a stranglehold on this series, go up to nothing, coming back to Los Angeles. Um, and it's not just that they lost, because that can happen, but they, they were terrible in this game in the first half uh, in particular. And um, I, for one, Andy, have not seen a playoff performance like this in a while, at least one that I can remember where a team comes out and looks this detached and disinterested and is so thoroughly outplayed by an opponent. I mean, it's not even just the idea of no job being there. He wasn't available because of that hand injury that I had suspected he was not going to be able to play through. I, I, I know a lot of people assume it's the playoffs – you're going to try to get through whatever. Ultimately, guys will play through whatever. He looked the minute that happened and the way he talked after the game like he thought this was going to be an impossibility. But it's also, too, the Grizzlies not having Steven Adams, not having mm -hmm. Brandon Clark, being a weakened team, seemingly with only three or four players that you would really feel comfortable about giving big minutes in a rotation in – a really important playoff game. And I think it's emblematic of the way the Grizzlies ultimately just hustled more, had more intensity, more focus, more determination from the beginning that the star of this game without John Morant wasn't Jaron Jackson Jr., who probably played the best of any Grizzly in game one. And I had thought maybe they'd be looking to feature more offensively. It wasn't Desmond Bain who can seriously get on heaters from time to time. It wasn't Dylan Brooks who fancies himself the best player on the Grizzlies. It was Xavier Tillman who in this game had a career high in the playoffs, 22 points. Actually, check that. Career high regular season or the playoffs. 12 rebounds, which... We're not nearly, sure what he's done in the preseason. But, you know, it's a good nearly, game for Xavier. Yeah, 12 rebounds. It's close to a career-high period and nearly doubled his career-high for rebounds in the playoffs. He matched uh, his season-high, those 12 rebounds. 10 baskets that he had in this game matched a career-high for buckets in a game, and he outscored every Laker other than LeBron. 
And no disrespect to Xavier Tillman, who deserves a bleep ton of credit for showing out tonight in a really important game for his team. Dude came into this series averaging seven points per game. This should not happen. Yep. And the fact that it did happen speaks to all the different things that the Lakers did to really allow this to happen. Yeah, and I... I, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, Anthony Davis. You mentioned 10 buckets for Xavier Tillman. Anthony Davis had uh, four. And Tillman, um, he had one, uh, two trips to the line. Davis took four free throws. So it's like you start comparing those two players, statistically speaking. Um, it was a terrible night, especially offensively for Anthony Davis. It was a terrible night for D'Angelo Russell. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna get into some of those individual performances over the course of the show. It's frankly uh, a terrible night like, for most Lakers who stepped on the floor. Pretty much. Um, some were more terrible than others, but it wasn't that good for pretty much anybody. And um, but like you know, in the because this this sort of stuff happens over the course of a regular season. Stuff happens, and there. I, you know, I, there is a, in that sort of grand debate, when you look at sort of each game, you look at it, when a team doesn't play well, there are people, there are fans, there are certain commentators, whatever, who just look at it and say, ah, they don't care. They're, they weren't trying. They didn't, they didn't, they played with their food. They didn't respect their opponent, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, anytime a, a team plays bad, it's because they didn't give a bleep. Um, they weren't invested or whatever, as opposed to just sometimes you, you want it and you play poorly. I try really hard to, and I think my default is not confusing poor performance with poor intent and poor, you know, uh, poor process, poor all that other stuff. Yeah, we've disagreed on this. And I understand yeah. that. I texted you <laughs> during this game. And I was like, you know how I normally look at these things. You know, uh, this is not one of those times. The Lakers were just, it is how they lost this game that I think is is so incredibly frustrating because even with a weakened Grizzlies team, everybody had seen the statistics, how well they played without Jaw, and they're used to it. And granted, a lot of those numbers came with Adams and with um with Clark in the lineup. I'm not making I'm not justifying it, but they're not garbage and they they don't lack confidence completely when when Jaw isn't there. You could easily come up with a scenario. Lakers come out. They don't shoot well. Well, that happened anyway. Okay. They miss a lot of shots. Um, Bain has a really good night. Dylan Brooks is uncharacteristically efficient. And, you know, Memphis makes a lot of shots, and the Lakers lose a game they could slash should have won. This wasn't that. It Like, you know, Memphis got off to a really bad start offensively. They were cold at the beginning of the game. And the Lakers were too. And, you know, then the Lakers just got lazy with the ball. They were beaten to every loose ball. They, you know, they were turning the ball over. Um, it, it was it was well beyond just cold shooting. And by the time they they figured something out defensively, at the very least, in the second half, because, you know, Memphis scored 59 points in the first half and, and only 44 in the second, the Lakers might have responded a little bit defensively, but still couldn't get a bucket and still couldn't um, 
find any offense and they were too far down. Like they just, they couldn't pull off that sort of flip the switch miracle comeback that I think they probably thought they had in their bag in, into halftime, probably entering the fourth quarter. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny. You bring up that flip the switch thing, Brian, because I, I was thinking about this and and you and I have covered three championship teams and we, and we were around those teams a lot. The 2020 team with LeBron and AD, uh, both of Kobe and Powell's championships. We, you know, occasionally traveled with those teams. We were in the locker room all the time. We knew those teams inside out. And sometimes championships teams will not only just play badly, they will play with a lack of intensity, like even in the playoffs. Like I remember in 2009, the, the first of the Kobe Powell championship uh, seasons, their semifinals against the Rockets took playing with their food to unprecedented levels. It was like astonishing, jaw-dropping. It's like playing with your food but on acid or something. Like They allowed Houston to hang around and turn this thing into a seven-game series. This was a Rockets team that did not have Tracy McGrady for the entire playoffs. Yao Ming, I believe, for the last four games. The second-leading scorer on that team, I looked it up just out of curiosity because I knew I was going to bring this up, Aaron Brooks was the second leading scorer Jesus. on that team in that series. And, you know, this was also, too, we talked about this, that 2009 team, that is probably the most intensely focused team that you and I have ever covered in any sport because uh-huh. <laughs> they were coming off that 2008 shellacking in Boston, the Game 6 39-point loss. Like, they were incredibly focused, and it still happened to them. But the difference is... You knew that team was good. They played together for a long time. They had a track record. And even if it's dangerous to play with the flip the switch mentality, they at least had earned the right to do it, even if it's not smart. This team, I think, is a legitimate roster, but they have not earned the right no. to do the flip the switch thing. They have right. not earned that right yet. They're not They're not good enough no. to do that. No, no. Um, and so let, let we'll we'll unpack more of this. Um, what this missed opportunity means for the the series at large, um, and, you know, going forward, because you know, it is important to separate um, the 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 angst and the disappointment over the the work that they did or didn't do on Wednesday, um, and step back and look what what what's actually happening in the series. Um, but also these some of these individual performances because there were some that were notably awful. Uh, we'll get to all of it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by eBay Motors. And for a championship team or a team that is aspiring to win a championship, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know that part will fit or get your money back. And just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, that part always blows my mind. I had no idea there were 122 million parts period, out there, you will be back in the game in no time. And after all, it is easy to bring home a win when the parts, the right parts, they are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. 
So um, game three will be back in Los Angeles on Wednesday. I'm sorry, game two is Wednesday. Game three will be Saturday. The Lakers get a couple days off in between. Um, more time is always good for them. And you know, then then game followed by game four on Monday. Um, it's it's funny because if you look at this, Andy, and you say, if you told me before the series started, the Lakers were going to split um in in Memphis. Okay, I'm on board. I don't even need necessarily to hear the end of that sentence. Um, but when you when you then get the context of the you know they win the game that Jaw doesn't play or that Jaw plays and they lose the one where he doesn't in such disappointing fashion. Um it's not that the series is over. It's not that they can't win it. It's not that they might not go on to win it. But oh my God, it's it, it is so disappointing to see the the complete and total uh, unwillingness to even give yourself a chance to take advantage of the good fortune that you had, because you know another couple of days is a couple more days where Job might be able to come back and play in Game Three, and I, I realize they won the game without him. You know, now they're confident, and they might be getting him back. You know. If they if they come back and obviously if they if they lose this series or if it gets really deep, we will all look back on what happened in game two and point to it and say, Well, that's that's that was the miss. That was the thing. That was the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's not even just the idea that you you've let them believe that they can beat the Lakers because I mean, this is a team that basically their blood type is bravado. Like the the Grizzlies are never going to stop believing in themselves. But if they're down 0-2, heading to Los Angeles, not knowing for sure what the deal is with Jaws' hand, and they come off a, a pretty rough loss, they might start thinking, we can hang with this team, but we don't know if we have enough time. Like right. We may not have the runway necessary to get ourselves back in the series. Yes, We may have to play damn near perfect basketball in order to make this yeah. happen. There's a reason... There's a reason any mathematically teams that are down 0-2 almost never come back. And when they're yeah. when they're down 0-2, and I don't have the number in front of me, when you're down 0-2, having lost the first two games on your own floor, I don't know what the series records are in that particular scenario, but I am 100% willing to bet that the odds uh, of that team coming back from 0-2 when you have already lost home court advantage are virtually zero, like historically yeah. speaking. Yeah. Um, and like it would have put the Lakers in a situation. LeBron talked about it after the game of the excitement that they have coming back to the crypt and playing a game in front of a a full house, uh, a full playoff crowd, which is something they haven't done really ever. You know, in the Anthony Davis LeBron era, um, and it's just a new opportunity for them. The building is going to be really keyed up, and they're in. I and, and he's excited to play that game, and that's and that's true. And like you know. It's the Lakers did what they needed to do, big picture, but they were in a they they could have been in a position where the where the, a split for three and four would have been fine, and you go back to Memphis and you you know you're up three one, you're going back to Memphis for game okay fine, and you have three chances to to win, two of which you know aren't on your home floor, okay. 
Um, and, and that, that opportunity has been squandered and you look at it and, um, so much of this, Andy can be tied to individual performances. I mean, I think if you take away, once you get past LeBron, who wasn't perfect, but you know, 28 points, 12, 23, uh, 12 rebounds, three assists, you know, uh, the outside shooting wasn't there tonight. Uh, he was one for eight once, but you know, it's hard to complain too much about that. And then Hachimura was 7 of 12. He had another 20 points, 5 rebounds. He was, if it wasn't LeBron, Hachimura was you know, the best player the Lakers had on, on Wednesday. They were the only two players that I feel like don't have to go back to L.A. feeling down on themselves on some level from this game, other than the fact just you lost right? and you're going to look back on buckets that you missed, rotations that you didn't hit, whatever, stuff like that. You're going to think about the things that maybe you could have done more perfectly. But those are the only two guys in this game that I thought put forth like you you don't have much to be upset about with either one of them or that did their part, if nothing mm -hmm. else. So they're the only two guys that I think definitively did their part in this game. Um, but you look around the rest of the box score and I'm going to kind of go backwards here a little bit. You know, they got no points from Troy Brown in 11 minutes. They got no points from Dennis Schroeder in 16 minutes. He was over three, only took three shots. Um, it was a minus 13 in 16 minutes. They got, uh, you know, Austin Reeves was okay in, in spots, but eh, not great. But five of 12. Um, and, um, you know, Vanderbilt was. We saw sort of it was just one of those games where like sort of the the, the it wasn't anything he was necessarily doing wrong, but it was a game where some of his weaknesses were 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 picked on a little bit, you know, especially the way that that Memphis was playing defense. But then you get into like the the the, the real culprits here, the guys that are just were just terrible um, in one form or another. Were D'Angelo Russell, two of eleven from the floor, one of five from three point range, he had three turnovers um, against only four assists. He was bad. Um, I, how he was a plus one, I'm not entirely sure. But this is honestly, this is one of those games where don't bother looking at the plus right, don't minus because they're all screwy. I mean, right. seriously. But I just say, like, if you're sitting or so, like, you know, there, there are nights where you're shooting and stuff like that. You know, you can like, glance at it. Well, you know, it wasn't really hurtful or whatever. D'Angelo was really bad, um, and Anthony Davis. Um, you could argue is worse just based on his sort of station on the team and and his the, the you know his status. Thirteen points, four fourteen from the floor, eight rebounds, three assists. He did have five block shots. Um, I thought defensively he was certainly better than he was offensively, but he you know he just he was hesitant. He was bullied. He was pushed around. Um, and bothered by different looks that Memphis gave him, you know, um, in ways that compared to how he has been playing Andy and how he has been doing things, um, for the most part, were really jarring. It was, this was the like a, it kind of reminded me of those, we, we make these comparisons sometimes with POW, the like the, the bad POW game where you just like, he's, like where it feels like all the stereotypes were kind of true. Um, yeah, the, he AD got hit in this game by uh, an elbow from Desmond Bain. It was totally inadvertent. It, it just it, his face was in the wrong place for uh, Bain's elbow, and it actually 
Bane's elbow even has big muscles on it too. Like his whole it, anything attached to his arm. Yeah, and he he had to get he had to get it worked on, and it was swelling a lot in this game. And I actually tweeted out at Cam Brothers that I, I was wondering if AD was having trouble seeing in the game. Like, and and people started immediately hitting me with like, you're making excuses for him. The guy's soft. He's playing like he was. One, he, he was he was one he, of six, I think, at that at that point already. And right, but no one, but. Whatever possibility for a, a recovery seemed to go away from there, and he and he also just seemed really out of sorts and was missing shots. That, quite frankly, I was really wondering: is he not seeing what's in front of him? And I was not making excuses for him. The guy wasn't playing well. I was just wondering: is he not playing well? At least I don't know fifteen percent because he's having can't see. Yeah, I mean, just because there was so much with AD. That honestly just seemed out of character, like like legitimately out of character. And by the way, too, I don't want to hear and preface this. I love you all, Locked On Lakers uh, listeners, YouTube viewers. There's a butt coming. Commenters. <laughs> I really, I really I sense a butt coming. Absolutely love all of you. Appreciate all of you. We say this all the time. Yeah, this there's definitely has a butt coming. Yeah, well past our expectations uh-huh. because of all of you. So sincerely, <laughs> I, mean yeah, I think it. here it is. I don't want to hear another damn thing from any of you about how Brian and I are the ones perpetuating this narrative that Anthony Davis never does quite enough to keep people satisfied and that he always leaves you wanting more. And the reality is he's having an incredible season and people don't recognize it because the media or the podcasters or the radio hosts or the TV analysis, or in Brian's case, we do all that stuff. We're the ones that keep perpetuating this because I'm telling you right now, go through our timeline at Cam Brothers. I can't repeat the things that were being said about Anthony Davis not on a podcast network with our language restrictions, but like I couldn't repeat it on the curse like a sailor network. <laughs> like some of the things being said about him were just flat out nasty. So Look, I don't want to hear it I, anymore. And I, uh, we've been really pitching locked on profanity hard, and even a lot of the a lot of the tweets yeah. were not wouldn't be able just, to go there. I'm just gonna say, it. y'all are thinking this, all right? You're thinking it, and you don't you don't want to admit that you're thinking it, but you are. Um, but I do love you. Two separate issues here. Um, when you look at Literally. it, I think between D'Lo and and uh, Anthony Davis, um, looking forward to the rest of the series. So I, I want to talk about that next. Um, I there will we'll, it's where we tweeted out the clip uh, before we get back to the individual players of Dylan Brooks. Uh, after the game, basically, you know, he was talking about how he wished he could guard uh, prime LeBron, you know, back in his Miami days, back in his Cleveland days, because it would have been a, a, a much better challenge, a worthy mm-hmm. challenge. Um, he called LeBron old. Um, and he did all of this wearing what, like, honestly, it reminded me of the sort of outfit that my four year old daughter might come downstairs and playing dress up like clothes that don't quite seem to go together a big honking <laughs> almost like a flavor flavor alarm clock style necklace with like a big db like you know for that he was that clearly bespoke that is not something one gets off the rack um big chunky like elton john style sunglasses like it was it was uh quite shirt a shirt open 
Sure. Oh well, yeah. That's that's. I don't even think the shirt has buttons. Might be, (laughs) might be a jacket. I'm not even sure what that thing is. Some sort of shacket. Um. I yeah. Maybe I. But like it was Dylan Brooks leaning hard into, um, the character. And part they plays. And look, as we talked about in our in our preview with the the lockdown Grizzlies guys, as annoying as Dylan Brooks is to everyone else, they love him in the locker room. Like, and it's probably for stuff like this that you know the energy it provides, the confidence it provides, whatever. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about about what might be coming through the rest of the series because to see, you know he's Dylan Brooks even said like I poke the bear, I'm a bear poker, um, and. He said he doesn't How? respect anyone until they give him 40. Right. 38. <laughs> Apparently not. 39. First not of all, it's, it. it's actually a pretty heady play. I don't want to spoil everything we're saying, Dylan Brooks, but it is kind of a heady play because the way basketball works in reality, it is really impossible to be matched up against somebody enough that they can truly give you 40. Yeah. So you, you really are laying the parameters of this so you can respect nobody. He's giving himself a lot of a lot of runway. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's fair yeah. to say. And I, I actually thought one of the most interesting moments of this game is in this in the in the uh, second half when the Lakers were making um, a push. This is in the third quarter, and LeBron was leading this charge a little bit. He Dylan Brooks kind of started getting in his face, and it looked like he might be going on tilt, um, and. You come out of the timeout, and Taylor Jenkins had put Dylan Brooks on the bench in favor of David Roddy, who, by the way, their their rookie, um, who played very well, yes, and has hair that is just similar enough to Dylan Brooks on TV that you could. It took a second for me to be like, "Oh wait," and their body types are somewhat similar. Um, so I was like, "Wait a minute!" Oh wait, no, that they took him out. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I thought that was a really interesting move for Jenkins to actually pull Brooks from the game. And it took me a second to realize it um, until, you know, Roddy hit a, a couple big threes and he played, played quite well. Um, so we'll talk more about that because it is going to be a major subplot for the rest of the series. If it wasn't already, um, I mentioned before the break though, Andy to, I, I think about the D thing and the AD thing a little bit differently. Anthony Davis has a very good track record of coming back. He, if you if saw his body language, you saw his face, his posture um, in the post-game press conference. LeBron was obviously disappointed by the result, but speaking very optimistically, um, you know, didn't, you know, didn't seem down, you know, kind of, you know, kept up a, a good spirit. Davis looked like he just played a really crappy game and knew it. And and he has a pretty good track record of bouncing back from these things. I am reasonably confident Anthony Davis bounces back with a really strong game three. I'm a little more concerned, though, about D'Lo, because if you go back, Andy, to the play-in, uh, he was really bad in the play-in, and he was really bad on Wednesday. And I'm not talking about, you know, Austin Reeves on Wednesday wasn't great, but he wasn't a train wreck. It wasn't, he wasn't a, a, an active negative on the floor for the Lakers. This is two out of the last three games where, where Russell has been, a, you know, just a, a, a negative presence for the Lakers. And I'm a big D fan. And, um, 
the Lakers need him to be better than this. Um, certainly, you know, to get through the rest of this series, and if they have any real dreams of of going beyond it, because you know you can't. I don't think you know you need some of that backward production, and you don't want to have to make Hachimura, for example, play like he has in Game One or Game Two in order for this offense to stay afloat. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's important that D'Lo pick up his game because his backup is also in something of a slump as well. So the solution, at least for the time being, is not flip the starting lineup, have Dennis Schroeder start, have D'Lo come off the bench. And, you know, I had been optimistic, or at least growing optimistic heading into this game with D'Angelo Russell, allowing myself to be optimistic, just because I thought after a rough first quarter, D'Lo played very well in game one against Memphis. I agree. Um, and a really, so, really, really strong second half. Right. So I was allowing myself some optimism in the face of what is, to be perfectly blunt, a pretty terrible playoff uh, resume. Like To put this in perspective, D'Angelo Russell on his career, and this does not uh, count tonight's performance, these numbers, but frankly, tonight's numbers are only going to make them worse. D'Angelo Russell is on his career a 35% shooter from the field in the playoffs. A, that's really bad. B, to put just how bad that is in perspective and how worse it is in the playoffs versus the regular season for D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell has never had a single season in his career where he shot 35% from the field. He's never shot oh, no. below he's never shot below 40% for a season from the field in his career. He is a career 35% shooter overall in the playoffs. His and he's also on his career about 35% from behind the arc, which is below his career averages, but it what it underscores is those aren't great numbers, but compared to what he's doing on anything that isn't a three, they're like prime Ray Allen. Like yeah. he he has he's struggled just- over his career in the playoffs. He already has, uh, you know, on his resume a bad series against the Grizzlies, and it makes you wonder, you know, either how this setting affects him in any way mentally if there are things about D'Angelo's play that heavy scouting can you know do can do well against or just don't like, translate well the the, the right. different style that happens exactly. in a postseason whatever it might right. be and I, I won't pretend to have the answers but I can just look at the numbers the numbers are what they are and they're stark yeah and you just you look at this game and you know, as much as you get 59 points they allowed in the first half. Um, but I would also like to point out that they didn't score either. Like part of their problem was carelessness with the ball that allowed Memphis to um I really I really thought and we'll 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 wrap here because there's gonna be a lot more to talk about for Friday's show. Lakers scored 19 points in the first quarter, 25 in the second. And we we talked in the in the preview and all the preview work that we did before the series started, you know. The inability, it's going to be important for the Lakers to hit shots because Memphis is going to be able to get out and run. They're going to be able to play against imbalanced defenses, even if it's sort of a semi-break or something like that. 
Um, and that happened. The Lakers missed a ton of shots, and they turned the ball over, which gave Memphis the opportunity to get better looks than they otherwise would get. And then you combine it. Memphis, Memphis had 10 points off turnovers in the first quarter. First, yes. 20 of their 50 points in the paint, Memphis came in the first quarter. Like that's how much this first quarter did the Lakers in. Yeah, thirty to nineteen, they were down after the first quarter. But you know, they only turned the ball over twelve times, so they they, they took better care of the ball uh, as it went along. And the second half, were fine. Uh, and, you know, they they didn't play a bad second half, and defensively, they were pretty good. But you just you know, they shot forty one percent from the floor. They shot twenty seven percent from three point range. Um, Ad and D'Lo were a combined seven for twenty five. Um, like it's just not going to get it done, and you know the the if you're looking for something to kind of comfort you, um, and we'll we'll wrap it here and and get in Darvin Ham more and Brooks versus LeBron more, all that coming up on Friday. We just couldn't do it all in one show. Um, if you're looking for something to make you feel better, you still could have won this game in the fourth quarter if they'd hit, uh, you know, a, a few open shots. They could have won. They still could have won this game. I honestly, I was looking at this whole night. Like, like the the basketball analyst part of me was like, it doesn't matter if you deserve to win a game. It is always better to win the game. Always in the playoffs, it is always better to win the game. Um, the parent inside me, the parent part of me, was like, they reminded me of a kid who, you know, your 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 kids who put off their um, their their project, their class project, till the night before. And expect to try to do it all at once and bring it in. And while you know, you, you kind of want to see them get an F because they deserve it and you'll learn a lesson. That's I, I was, those were the two parts of me that were having an argument on, on Wednesday night. They didn't deserve to win this game and they still had a chance to do it anyway. Which, if you're a Lakers fan, you could look at it and say they can't, it's gonna be hard for them to be much worse than they were on Wednesday and they still had a chance to win. Um, Anyway, we'll get into Darvin Ham. We'll get into Brooks versus uh, LeBron and what that might look uh, going forward. More jaw updates for the weekend and whether or not his availability might go up. Uh, plenty more to talk about after a really disappointing game, too. Lock on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show, uh, leave some comments, uh, ask some questions. We'll we'll look through it and and pull out some stuff, hopefully, to use for Friday's show. We'll save your one tomorrow.